0: I stand before you today as an example of God's miraculous healing power. And and many of you would stand with me today, once you know what I'm going to talk about, uh, as an example of God's power and God's ability to heal your life. Some of you have walked through some dark times. And you would gladly stand up with me this morning and say, I am an example of God's healing power. I am an example of that. I walked through one of the hardest times of my life was the moment I had to forgive my father for abandoning, abandoning me at, at a young age. In fact, right after I was born, I wasn't very old. He, he left and didn't come back. I didn't meet him again until I was 18. I, I had some issues. Abandonment causes issues. And I, the hardest thing I ever walked through was forgiving my dad. And it was tough. Can I just be honest with you? It was tough. It was hard, it was painful, it was emotional, it drained me, it pulled me down, it was, ah, it was scary. Can I just say that? It was, it was frightening. I didn't know if it was going to work out, I didn't know if it was going to backlash, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew that something inside of me said that I need to forgive him. And what came on the backside of, of forgiving my father was more than I ever expected, more than I could have anticipated. What I gained from giving forgiveness to someone else was more than anybody could even explain to me. And that's the lie the enemy tells us is that, oh, well, why do you want to forgive them? Because if you forgive them, they're just going to hurt you again. He's trying to keep you from the other side of giving forgiveness to somebody, that experience that you get. Come on now, I'm in the right church this morning, right? I'm sure some of you need to forgive somebody. I'm sure some of you have walked through some hard times. Okay, so today I want to talk about forgiveness. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21. <clears throat> it says this, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? <laughs> now, y'all know Peter, right? We talked about Peter plenty enough. <clears throat> Peter's a little connive. Come on, Peter, just like the rest of y'all. He got a little cani in him. He's he's coming to Jesus and he's saying, Lord, how many times I got to forgive? I could hear him saying, if it would be me, I'd be saying, Lord, how many times I got to keep forgiving this sucker? Like seven because we're on number six right now and I only got about one more left in me. Peter was asking Jesus for a way out of forgiving his person. That was offending him. Peter was looking for a mathematical equation to get him out of forgiveness. How many times, Lord? Seven? <laughs> Jesus's response blows Peter's mind and it still blows our mind today. Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times Seven. Seventy times seven. I'm like, what? Come on, you tell me what you're feeling when you hear that. Seventy. You need to forgive them 70 times seven. Seven. Seventy times seven. You need to forgive them 490 times. What's going through your mind? What? You crazy? 490 I'm okay. I can't keep track of that. I just might lose count. And that's exactly what he wants you to do. That's why he gave a ridiculous number of 490 times because he knew you couldn't keep track of how many times you forgave somebody. Isn't that good? But aren't we funny people? You might not like math, but you do math all the time. Let somebody offend you and refuse to forgive them, and all of a sudden, I'm going to tell you what we do. We create spreadsheets in our mind. Spreadsheets with categories. You might have wife as a category. Two years ago, treated me mean for two months. A year ago, had a headache for a whole year. I don't even know how that happens. You may have parents. Come on, friends, bosses, co workers. We make categories, right? And we start adding up how many times people offend us. And what's funny to me is how, how vivid we can remember everything that was said. Right? You won't miss a word. Ask somebody tomorrow what the message was about. You can't tell them. Cause you done forgot. Why? Because it didn't offend you. And you didn't put it in your spreadsheet. I'm preaching this morning. You didn't put it in your spreadsheet, but let somebody offend you, and baby, it's down to the, to the dot, to the I, to the cross, the T, to the time, what they said, what they were wearing, what they looked like, what their facial expression was, what, what temperature it was outside. We'll tell you everything, right? We'll full-on go off on you like we're an expert. Oh, I remember. Let me tell you what you did to me. It was sun shining. The clouds were coming. The temperature was 57 degrees. And you were wearing that plaid shirt that I can't stand. And then you were acting like this. And your face looked like this. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? We'll remember every detail. Why? Because we're keeping score. Man, we keep score good, don't we? Jesus wants us to lose count. I got four thoughts on forgiveness this morning. I want to share with you. My first thought is this. Is forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about losing count. It's about losing count. It's funny to me because it seems like when I I first hold the first unforgiveness towards somebody... I can't ever seem to forgive them of anything after that. Come on, it's like once you get the first thing against somebody, like once they make your category, that first offense, if you don't deal with that first offense, the rest of them, no matter how big or small or silly or stupid, will continue to add up because you didn't deal with the first one. The first one's holding up the rest. Didn't invite me to that football game party. I saw, I saw on Facebook, y'all throwing down, didn't even invite me. I'm like, really, you mad about that? But you're not mad about that, you're mad about something else. Come on, couples. Let me give you a little marriage tip. The thing you're fighting about right now is not what you're really fighting about. In fact, in most cases, you don't fight about what you're fighting about right now. You fight about something you didn't forgive the person about months ago. Don't get quiet on me. I've been married 20 something years. I know how it is. <clears throat> I still struggle today. In fact, the other day I took a jab at Cheryl. She went, mm, That hurt? What's wrong with you? Nothing. I was just picking. It didn't feel like picking, it felt like punching. Isn't it true? It's hard to forgive anything once you hold the first thing against someone. I've got friends who've made this statement, and maybe you've made it too, that about somebody that they, they're having a hard time forgiving, they better never show their face around me again. <laughs> Come on, you know you said it. And if you didn't say it, you know you thought it. They're not, They're not sure for this birthday party. I'm going to come on glued on them. and hmm. Come on. Get real this morning. We're going to get it out today. And I hear what some of you are thinking this morning. Some of you are thinking, Pastor, you know it's easy to forgive people when they spill a drink on you. But you just don't know what people have done to me. And I agree with you. I used to have the attitude when I was younger, oh, you just need to get over it, until I realized it don't work that fast. Somebody can spill a drink on you, and you can get over that pretty quick, but it lets somebody hurt you to the core, and that takes time, amen? And I'm not trying to communicate today to just get over it. What I'm trying to get you to hear me say is start working on it today, Cause it don't change till you start working on it. It ain't gonna fix today, but you gotta start today. Amen. Watch the rest of this verse real quick. I didn't give this to the to the um, uh, media guys, but I'm just gonna read it to you. There's a parable in here. Listen to what Jesus says about unforgiveness verse 23 therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him in the process one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars say millions of dollars he couldn't pay so his master ordered he be sold along with his wife his children and everything he owned to pay the debt But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Say, wow. Wow. The master is Jesus and we are the servants who had an enormous debt and he paid the debt for us and said, you can go now. You're free. You see it? Now watch this. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. He didn't even talk to him. Grabbed him by the throat. My kind of guy. (laughs) Just joking, just joking. Yeah, all know I'm a big teddy bear. Verse 29. The, the, his fellow servant fell down before him, begged for a little more time, be patient with me. He said the exact same thing he said, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant. I forgave you the tremendous debt you because you pleaded with me shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as i have had mercy on you then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt jesus takes unforgiveness seriously jesus takes forgiveness seriously If he dies on the cross to forgive you for your sins, then he certainly expects you to die to yourself and forgive other people for their sins against you. No matter how big. No matter how hard. He takes it serious. And for some of us who aren't wounded so deep, there are some things we just have to learn how to get, how to not let get under our skin. Look at your neighbor and say, you might need a little thicker skin. You can say that. You can say that in church. Casey, can I get a water bottle, please? You, you might need a little thicker skin. Some of you, some of you are like, like one of those. I could go back to the, to the kids department right now and I could find one kid, any kid on a random day who's having a bad day. And bring him in here and say, hey, give me a high five. And they go. "Mm. (laughs) "Mm." Come on. You don't change when you get older. (laughs) Walking around the house all offended. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't look at me. I can feel you looking at me. Thank you. I can go find one of those kids right now. Some of us need to learn. How to not let everything bother us. Can I get an amen? Amen. Colossians 3.13 says this. Make allowance for each other's faults. In other words, make room. Separate. Make some space. Make some patience. Make some room for other people's faults. Because they're making room for yours. He says, and forgive anyone, say anyone, who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. We got to come to grips that people are going to be people. You ever have a bad day? You ever say something stupid? Stupid? Christian or non-Christian, people are going to be people and you need to make room for them. You need to prepare yourself daily for the offenses that are going to come your way, especially from your loved ones. Because those hurt the worst, don't they? My second thought is this, is forgiveness brings out the best in you. It really does. It really brings out the best of you. You see, when you can go through the process of being offended, hurt, frustrated, angry, mad, bitter, And then to be able to come across to forgiveness, that brings out the best in you. It shows the world around you something about you that they didn't know before. It says that, hey, he can be hurt, he can be offended, but he can forgive also. And what it says to him is that, how does he forgive? And they have to go, it must be God. It must be God. Forgiveness brings out the best in you. In fact, it shows your maturity spiritually. Sometimes the best in us comes out when the worst has been done to us. Ever go through something tough? Ever go through something hard? It's an opportunity for the best to come out of you. Watch what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. He says, get rid of. In other words, this is what you're going to put in the trash. Bitterness, all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Let's go through that again. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger. I want to focus on these two. Harsh words and slander. Because it's one thing to say, oh, I forgive them until you run into them at Walmart. And then things start popping in your head. Oh, don't get all religious on me now. You know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm gonna talk to this side because y'all y'all just a little too quiet. The, you know what it's like when you you said you forgave them and you told them you forgave them, but you and you know where you're gonna see them. Where you gonna see? Them? At Walmart. You ever get lonely, go to Walmart. You got to be careful to say, I forgive them, and then still talk behind their back. Ay, ay, ay. Felt some pressure on that one. Ooh, ooh. That's where we're at, right? Come on. I forgive them. Yeah, bro. We good. Yeah, man. We all right. It's all good, man. Peace be with you. Sap sucking sinners. Look at what you're doing. Look at what you're doing. Look at what Paul says. Get rid of all bitterness. It comes from bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. Slander is dragging somebody's name through the mud. If you've forgiven them, you don't drag them through the mud no more. because you see let me let me finish the verse instead be kind to each other in other words get rid of that stuff throw it in the trash and replace it with this be kind to each other tender hearted forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you so just like you've been forgiven forgive others that means you got to start thinking about how much you've been forgiven That means you need to realize how God treats you after he forgives you. Don't be an entitled child of God. And think, oh, well, he's got to forgive me. You need to pay attention to how he treats you after he forgives you. Because that's how you're supposed to treat other people. Because you see, when you run into them at Walmart... You have an opportunity to check your heart. And when you see them, you go, Do you and this is the question? Do you dodge them? <laughs> like if you see them on aisle thirteen, you come kind of go, whoa. <laughs> and the kids are like, what, mom? What? Hurry up. Come 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 What's up gonna say all over here? Come on. Do you dodge him? What comes up inside of you? What comes up? Because whatever comes up, it's either verse 31 or it's verse 32. (laughs) If it's verse 31, you got to do something with that. (laughs) If it's verse 32, you need to go, hallelujah, praise Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. But if it's verse 31, watch what you got to do. You got to take that into account. You want to keep records of something? Keep records of the condition of your heart. Keep a record of your heart. And listen to me. I I get it. I understand. I I struggle with it myself. I I, I know what it's like. When it comes up, you got to do something about it. You can't just leave it there. You got to do something. What do I do with it, pastor? You process it. What does that mean? That means you, okay, I, I feel, what am I feeling right now? Am I feeling just shock? I mean, because sometimes it's just shock. You just run and be like, whoa. I went to a funeral one time of a couple that, that I was friends with, and he and I had a, a spat. Yeah, I'd call it a spat. And, 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 and he had, a couple years later, he passed away, and I, I felt it honorable to go and be at his funeral. And I went to his funeral, and I, I didn't want to bring any attention, so I kind of sat in the back. And after the funeral, I went by, and I saw his wife, and I said, hey. sorry." And when I turned, she went, Sometimes it's that sometimes it's just like, oh, hey, if that's what it is and you go, okay, that, that that's just what it is. But if some emotions come up inside of you from verse 31, then you need to, you need to take account of that. And then you need to bring that to God. And you say, Lord, why am I still feeling angry? Lord, I felt like I forgave them. I felt like I released them of what they did to me. Lord, help me to process these emotions. Help me to understand why am I feeling this way? You know what happens when you go to God with that? He gets a little giddy. Oh, really? You want me to help? All right, come on, let's process this out. Let's get this healed up right. Come on, being serious. God gets excited about that because he doesn't want the dark corner in your heart anymore. He don't want it there anymore. He wants you to be healed more than you want to be healed. You process it. You got to process it. Look at your neighbor and say, don't leave it alone. Work on it. Some take longer than others, but you still got to start working on it. We either fester in unforgiveness or we foster healing. Would you agree with that? And I want you to understand this. You are never more like Christ than when you are forgiving another person. You are never more like Christ. Than when you are, are, are giving forgiveness. To somebody else. You getting something? Number three, third thought. You need to open up. To get it out. You need to open up. To get it out. Put that picture on the screen for me. How many of you remember the Heinz ketchup bottle the glass one Y'all, how many come on old schoolers come on age yourself it's okay that just means you're wise you remember the the this new generation all they know is squeeze right squeeze squeeze instant ketchup back in our day you had to get in a fight with the glass bottle to get the ketchup out it was greedy with its goods come on how how many of you remember that right I mean, you got in a fight. How many dinners were destroyed by that stupid glass bottle that you, bam, you hit your plate and your stuff went flying? You know what I'm talking about. The first thing you had to do with the old ketchup bottle, you see that white top? That's a metal top. That's not plastic. That's metal. You had to strain to get that bad bottle. Sometimes if you had good teeth, you had to use your teeth. And then what would happen when it would come open? Boop. Right? There was always that pop. I love that pop. The first time you open it. Boop. And they say the reason it does that is because the contents on the inside are under so much pressure. You know, as a pastor, my wife and I do a lot of counseling. And I've got some counseling friends. And the hardest thing to do with people who are wounded and hurting is the first step of getting them to Open up. Then, if you go to Heinz's website, I actually did this last night. You go to Heinz's website, they say only 11% of the people know how to do this. But if you go to their website, they'll actually teach you how to get the ketchup out the bottle. I'm like, bring it back. I just got to try it again. Let me show you. You see this 57? Right there where the bottle starts to narrow? Say, I see it. That's where you're supposed to knock on the bottle. So instead of doing this, or this, or stabbing it with a knife, looking like a fool at the restaurant, instead of doing that, you just need to knock. Knock on the 57. Knock on the sweet spot, right? And then what happens? It just kind of comes on out. Then you can drown your fries in it and have pieces... Love and hair grease, whatever you want to call it. We're a lot like that bottle. Jesus said something about this in Matthew 7, 7 to 8. He says, when you need something, when you need something, he says this, keep On asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and it will be opened to you. For anyone who asks receives, anyone who seeks finds, and anyone who knocks, the door will be opened to you. So, what do we do? We got to open up. You're not healthy when you're quiet. You need quiet times, but you're not healthy in silence. What grows in dormancy? If you've got a house that's been flooded and you lock it up, what grows? Mold and bacteria and deadly stuff, right? It doesn't get better. You don't just like lock the door and come back a year later and go, oh, man. You don't do that, right? you got to what? you got to open it up. And you got to start to dig around in there a little bit. You got to get the junk out. We got to open up to get it out. Christians were never meant to be alone. We're not a, 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 a culture of Han Solos. Come on. God created community for every one of us to enjoy it, but to find healing in it. To help one another. Can you agree with me? Sometimes I'm up and sometimes I'm down. I'm married to a wife who's up when I'm down and who's down when I'm up. And we work on each other. I got friends sometimes who go, bro, you look a little down. And the truth is I try to hide it. Oh, bro, I'm good, man. Got this. All right. No, man. No, something ain't right, bro. What's up? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm good. No, oh, come on. See, he's trying to. Keep knocking. Lord, I can't forgive him. Lord, I can't forgive him. I can't let go. Lord, it still hurts. Lord, I can't let it go. I still think about it. Lord, I can't sleep. Lord, I can't let it go. Help me. Keep on knocking. Keep on knocking. Keep on knocking. And it's going to come. His word promises it's gonna come. Then you need to choose your friends carefully. Come on, some of you need to hear this. You need to choose your friends carefully. You need friends that when they see you burning, that they don't come throw gasoline on you. Come on, you got that friend. You know who I'm talking about. They'll jump on your bandwagon in a heartbeat. In fact, they're they're bandwagon people, they like parades. They like to get on your float. I'm trying to speak your language this morning. If they see you hurting, they're going to jump in your float and hurt with you. And they're going to stir it up, right? Come on, let's whip this thing. Woo! Let's get it. And they'll get you so fashied and mad and angry and bitter. And and they'll, they'll wreck your life. You don't need friends like that. You got enough that you're dealing with on the inside by yourself. You need to get some friends that, number one, recognize that you're walking through something. (laughs) <laughs> but you see, to get friends like that, you got to open your life up a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, you and know I need to join a life group. Yeah, yeah, and attend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one just came out. Some of you are good about signing up. You're just bad about attending. I'm going to leave that right there. But some of you need to get some friends around you, open up your life to other people so that they can get close enough to you to recognize that you're walking through something. They need to be close enough to feel what you're walking through. You need more friends than just your spouse. Mm-hmm. You need to get you some new friends. Look at your neighbor and say, you need some new friends. And I'm not talking about me. Because that might be what they were thinking. <laughs> Watch what James says in chapter 5. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Wow. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be Healed. What he didn't say was, put all your feelings on Facebook and ask people to pray for you. Don't do that. Don't do that. They got some people out there, pray some juju on you or something. He's talking about friends. In fact, he describes them. Watch what he says. He says, the earnest prayer, watch this, of a righteous person has great power and produces, watch this, wonderful results. That's the kind of friends you need. Come on, you need some friends that, number one, can identify when you're walking through something. Number two, know how to stay there long enough to get you to open up. Number three, have enough boldness and love for you and care for you to pray for you. When you finally do confess what you're walking through, that they won't just say, oh, well, you know, it's going to get better, girl. Good luck. You don't need no good luck, friends. You need some righteous friends. Friends that know how to grab a hold of heaven for you. And say, Lord, sister friend's hurting. She needs some help. Y'all didn't think I was going to say that, huh? I heard my wife giggling when I said sister friend. I got that from her. You see, when you hang around my wife long enough, you get, it's your fault, girl. It's your fault. I lost my train of thought. You need some friends that will grab a hold of heaven for you. Now watch this. And not just pray for you. But they'll actually hear from heaven for you. And then come back to you. Maybe with a verse in the scripture. That will change your situation and increase your faith. Maybe it's a, it's a right now word from God. Where they come back with a, with a rhema word from God. A right now word. Almost a prophetic word. You see, (laughs) you need some new friends. (laughs) If your friends ain't helping you, they're not really your friends. Yeah, but I like them. I hear you. You may be a good friend, but they're not. Get some new friends. (sighs) Open up and get it out. My fourth thought is this, the last one. This one's important. You need to stay forgiven. You need to stay forgiven. Watch what Jesus says in Matthew 6. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse, underline the word refuse, to forgive others, your father will not forgive Your sins. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. You see, there's consequences that come when we refuse to forgive people. Sometimes refusing to forgive people is refusing to open up and work on it. Because some of us has bought into the lie that, well, time will heal my wounds. Distance will heal my heart. Baloney. It don't work. Time ain't ever healed nothing. Jesus does. Distance doesn't heal anything. It just helps you to forget about it for a minute or two. But as soon as that name's brought up or their face appears, it's right back there again. Right? Right? If you refuse to forgive others your father will refuse to forgive you now I don't know about you but that that puts a lot of pressure on me it really does I, I like being forgiven <laughs> I, I really do I like to be uh, forgiven cause I mess up a lot. Yeah. I, I think I got pretty good with the big stuff. It's the small stuff that's killing me. I like to go to bed with a clear conscience. It makes the best pillow, right? I like to be forgiven. I like the experience of being forgiven. Forgiven. And can I be honest with you, real quick? The thing that blows my mind about Jesus still today is how even though I blow it, There's things that he's delivered me from, things that he's given me victory over that I continue to go back to sometimes just out of sheer rebellion or whatever you want to call it. And listen to me, this is what blows my mind is that even when I do that with the wrong heart, if I'm faithful to go to him and say, Lord, I blew it, I'm sorry, please help me. I should have never went back to that again, Lord, I'm sorry, I was dumb. This is what gets me. He goes, I forgive you. And then he treats me like verse 32, tenderhearted, merciful. And he treats me like I'm forgiven. He doesn't hold anything over me. Come on, that's so freeing. And he doesn't hold my path. It's like, it's like he didn't take a, a Polaroid of my sin. And now every time I meet with him, he's like, he doesn't do that. That's what blows me away about Jesus is that once he forgives me, he treats me just like he's always treated me with love and tender hearted mercy. That's what gets me. That's what gets me. But he makes it very clear that if you don't forgive others, he's not going to forgive you. You may have heard that there's an unpardonable sin in the Bible. How many of you ever heard that an unforgivable sin? It's called the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to get into that, but for years I thought that was the only unpardonable sin. (laughs) I've realized there's two. There's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and then there's unforgiveness towards others. Because Jesus makes it crystal clear. If you don't forgive others, I will not forgive you. Wow. I know that's tough to hear. And, and honestly, I kind of feel like I got you in a headlock this morning. Or may, maybe the scriptures got you in a headlock this morning. And it should have you in a headlock. Because every one of us has somebody to forgive. From the silliest thing to the most severe thing, every one of us has somebody to forgive. And the longer we hang on to it, the longer we do damage to ourselves. Amen? I've realized this. You can dress up unforgiveness all you want to. You can justify the mess out of it. But at the end of the day, you got to know that forgiveness is more for you than the person that you're forgiving. It's more for you than it is for them. Because you may forgive them, but they may not want to be forgiven. It's for you. Last verse, I'll wrap it up with this one. Romans 12 verse 17 says this. Never pay back evil with more evil. You might ought to underline that. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Watch that. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. That tells me that there's some people I'm just not going to be able to live in peace with. But if I do my part and go and make peace with them, then I've done my part. It may never be what I want it to be or what I expect it to be, but I did my part. His word says to do everything that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you. Listen, listen to this. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. You want me to do what to my enemies? You want me to bake them something? Oh, I'm going to bake them something. Mm-hmm. You want me to give them something? I'm going to give them something to drink. Oh, don't you worry. says do good to them and he says and when you do good to them I'm gonna stack a big old pile of coals on their head and it's gonna it's gonna create a shame in them it's God doing it I don't have to shame them God's gonna shame them in fact I tell most people it would be better if I lash out at you than if God pays you back which one do you want because if I punch you in the nose that's gonna heal but if God deals with you I don't know what's gonna happen But God loves you enough to say that if somebody hurts one of his kids, you don't worry about paying them back, baby. I'm going to get them. Come on, parents. You know how it is when your little kids is in the neighborhood and somebody beats up on your kid? What happens? Come on. Or somebody corrects your kids? Well, I ain't going to go there. Amen? Amen? I failed several times after forgiving my dad. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. For years, out of guilt, he would he would call me at least twice a month to check in. And I think I recognized that it was guilt that was driven that was driving it. I think he recognized one day it was, this went on for years. Twice a month, he would call me. Hey, how y'all been? Y'all been okay? Yeah, Dad, doing good. I failed because I started treating him like. That's your price to pay. You did me wrong, so you need to call and rebuild the relationship. It's all on you. And when I was preparing this message, I realized it was a couple years ago that the Holy Spirit dealt with me about that. Holy Spirit said to me, he said, you say you've forgiven him, but you're still treating him dishonorably. If you've forgiven him, then he's already paid in full. There's nothing left to pay. You see it? Because there's nothing left for me to pay. Because when Christ paid for all of it, he paid it in full. And he doesn't make me work for the relationship, we work together in the relationship.